0: Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. This is Core Truth, where we discuss the philosophy of core belief therapy created by Rudy, Rudy Eckhart. I'm your show host, Mark Follett, and today we're going to discuss passions and desires. It's a very exciting topic, very upbeat topic today, Rudy. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, passions and desires are a big deal for most people. Um, Some people don't think they have them. Other people are constantly searching for them. Um, Unfortunately, there are not many people who actually work and live in their doing their passion and their desire. And for them, work can be a struggle or a struggle to find a fascination or an interest in their work. So passions and desires are something that everybody... Feel something for, let's say.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we did discuss them briefly, I think. We talked about choice and purpose in one of our earlier episodes. And I think the context there was we were talking about the fact that passions and desires mm-hmm. help to guide you towards understanding what your true purpose is in life, if, if that's the right. I think the word purpose we debated at length on that uh, episode, but um, that your, your passions and desires essentially point you towards who you really are or who you really what you're here to be, what you're here to, to express yourself well, it's as. Not,
1: it's not... How can I put it? We'd like to put those definitives around our life, mm. right? That our life must have some purpose <laughs> and our life must have meaning. And that meaning and purpose is somehow rolled up in something we're going to do, yeah. right?
0: But, and it's hidden away for us to find
1: well it, it becomes we'll talk about the reasons why it appears to be hidden mm. but first of all is that we we believe that our meaning and purpose in life and our role in life is rolled up in knowing our passions and desires and doing what that is right <laughs> and ultimately our purpose of meaning in life is not about being in the process of our Passions and desires, although it would be most pleasant to live your life within the context of your passions and desires and making that your life's work because it would be extremely enjoyable. But just to put a finer point on this, and it's something I've mentioned before, uh, your purpose in life is not rolled up in doing this but in being this. So doing something like your passions and desires is um, preferable by any measurement. But you're evolving your consciousness and the nature of your being is really more important than that and stands out from that. So however you may evolve your consciousness is what your real the purpose of your consciousness in actuality is, to evolve, to grow, to expand. So to say that your purpose of your existence, and now we're going to go away from purpose in life. But the purpose of your existence is to be doing your passions and desires would be very, very limiting. That yeah, would be quite and, and, and a very small way of, of looking at your life and your existence. Mm. But it's not to take away from the idea that living your life in fulfilling your passions and desires and um, evolving in that way would be the most pleasant way for us to exist, mm. right? So, so I'm not I'm not invalidating it from that perspective. Mm. It's, it's but but I think if you put everything into it in terms of that you will be everything that you could ever be by doing your passions and desires, you'd be wrong. Mm.
0: Yeah, um, a lot of people probably define mm. their passions and desires by by different things too. Like they they're, they're driven to do things is not necessarily what we're talking about. So people might be driven to. Be, we've talked before about... we talked uh, a couple episodes episodes ago about success and failure and the reasons that people are driven for success. Mm-hmm. They might... People might mistake some of their fear-based drivers for their passions and, and desires, I think.
1: It's probably most common.
0: Most common, you think? Yeah, that,
1: yeah. that people um, like success or... Um, success is a very obvious one, like being a winner... It could also be, for instance, that you, um, you develop, because of the fears and insecurities you've taken on, you develop a strong sense of over-responsibility. And so you get drawn to work and jobs that require you to be really, really responsible for a lot of things. Mm. Um, and then you have a tendency to create a lot of pressure on yourself to, uh, to be this super responsible person because there's a fear in you that you're never responsible enough. And there's also a belief in you that the only way you will be loved, wanted, and accepted that is if you fulfill all these responsibilities, which usually come to you in the form of expectations and needs and demands from others, right? And that you think by being that, you're somehow fulfilling some meaning and purpose in life.
0: Mm. And I think other people would look at someone in that situation. Someone, mm. I'm just, I got a bit of a smirk on my face because we're just really talking about me here. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I've lost my train of thought there, but that that someone then would... Where was I going with uh, that? And Help me out, Rudy. Where was I going with that? I, out, uh, well, I, with
1: you, that? I, I think you're probably going to say oh, that
0: Other people would say that that person was passionate about their work, right? That, that they had a true passion for their work because they were driven to do it. Yeah. They, they, they did it at expense to themselves, and they just really loved doing that type of work. Yeah. And, it's and they not, may
1: even convince themselves. Yeah,
0: that they're passionate about what they do.
1: Because, because you are driven by fear to be responsible and meet expectations, and you therefore become good at it, if I inverted commas, good at doing that, you don't realize that when you are driven by fear to do something, that it always comes at cost. Mm. And the cost is either to you or to others or to both. If we talk about, we may be going a bit off track from passions and desires here, but we'll come back to it. But if we talk about, expectations for instance if you are so prepared and so ready to take responsibility you will attract people to you who will easily transfer the responsibility that they should be taken to you and you'll be happy inverted commas to take it because it fulfills something in you because it makes you feel that you therefore qualify for acceptance significance and being a special person because you can meet all those res- responsibilities that other people apparently can't. Mm. But by taking away the responsibility from another person who will be happy to give it to you, you take away from them the learning experience to be a responsible person mm. and to to learn how to work with responsibility and be a responsible person. At the same time, you load yourself up with responsibilities which aren't really yours to take. And you... Um, put yourself under distress emotionally, mentally, and eventually perhaps physically. Um, so that's,
0: that's the cost to yourself. That is
1: the cost that you have then. Yeah, yeah exactly. And whereas the
0: cost to other people is that you deprive them of their experience of feeling
1: of learning, learning how about to be how to
0: be responsible. Yeah. 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 Well that makes
1: sense. Yeah. And so and so what seemingly appears to be a positive thing, if properly analyzed and looked at, becomes a very negative thing in society. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just what it does to you, it's also what it does to other people. Everything has consequence, mm. and consequence usually runs in two directions. Yeah? What it does to the world and what it does to you.
0: Yeah, that right? Makes sense.
1: So, when we come back to passions and desires, I mean, the fact that most people do not feel they know what their passions and desires are comes usually from the fact that is that not so much that they didn't have them when they were born. Um, I think we all have qualities that we could pursue, that we that indicate certain talents and abilities that that we uh, would enjoy giving expression to mm. and and feel fulfilled in.
0: I think you see that in young kids. You see them; they've got particular fascinations with certain, certain types things, of things. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and when these things are not nurtured and Recognized by the parents, and often, uh, instead of being recognized, they're being overridden or dismissed or invalidated or corrected or criticized and judged. Um, When this happens, right, or totally ignored, right, the child loses faith and trust and belief in that that means anything. So, if it doesn't mean anything to the parent, it doesn't mean anything to the child. Like, if a child does something, and you praise it, then all of a sudden, the act of having done it has value. Prior to doing it, the child was just doing something, and it had no particular value. It had no particular... Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. And this, this was something that I remember well, because it played out with my son. My son was playing with an empty plastic bottle, and he was trying to push the top of the bottle, off the, the bottle, onto the bottle, onto the neck of the bottle. And of course, because it was a screw top, it would constantly fall off. So I would pick it up, I would screw it up in front of him and then take it off and put it down again. And then he would put it and try and put it on top of the bottle and it would fall off again. And I'd pick it up, just that I kept doing it. And eventually he got it, he screwed it on, like he turned it, right? And at the moment it grabbed, he looked at me and he thought, I've done that. And I praised him for it. And in that moment, the act of putting the top on the bottle had some sort of meaning. It meant that he was capable of understanding something. He, he, had, he was capable of doing it. So all of a sudden, I added value to his little act of putting a top on, on a bottle. It may seem meaningless, but in the overall sense of his beingness, it meant a lot. It meant an achievement. Mm-hmm. I saw him one time getting, trying to get onto our couch and I stood in a hidden position and watched him because I wanted to see how he was going to solve the problem <laughs> because he was so little that he couldn't get his knee up on the couch because the cushions were too high. So he's tried it and tried to pull himself up and couldn't find the strength in his little arms to get himself on the couch and at one time fell back and hit his head on the wooden floor. And while I was tempted to run over and, and pick him up, I stopped myself and I thought, i would just watch him. So he had tears in his eyes from having hit his head and he rubbed his eyes and looked at the couch. And then he realized that the couch was made out of two cushions on top, two two surfaces which are split down the middle. So he walked up to the middle of the couch and then put his hand between the two cushions and grabbed the seam of the cushion and then put his knee in between the cushions and pulled himself up. And then crawled on the couch and put his back against the couch just like an adult and looked very pleased (laughs) that he had achieved it and this is how kids learn and that's how kids Mm. get a sense of value and a sense of significance and a sense of self-trust by making by allowing them to achieve their goals in the way that they do it i could have easily run up and picked them up and put them on the couch but it would have defeated the total exercise here
0: have you have you heard the term helicopter parenting Oh, yes. Which is where you sort of have someone helicopter over their, their kid And protect and, them. And protect them from, from, from making mistakes, essentially. From making
1: mistakes, from falling over, from getting cold, from getting upset, from being confronted, from having um, to do something for themselves.
0: So in the two examples you gave, then, you would have taken the, the bottle off your son and said... And just screwed the top one and said, there you go, that's how it's done. And he wouldn't have learned anything. Without if, words. Without words. Yeah. Without words. Or, or in the other instance, just if you'd wanted him on the couch, you would have gone and picked him up and plonked him on the couch. He wouldn't have learned anything.
1: He wouldn't have learned anything. But,
0: but he might have learned that his efforts were inadequate.
1: He would have learned that he's not capable. He he's would have capable. learned that he's not good enough. He would have learned that it is power. it's pointless to try because I can't do better than my father anyway.
0: Yeah. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not I'm not big enough or strong enough to be able to do that. Right. I'm not clever enough to be able to climb up on that thing. Or- so
1: so, so, so that's how we learn. So it doesn't just happen with physical things, but it happens with when a child has an opinion or has an idea or has a concept or thinks something out and thinks that's how it is, right? And then you, the smart-ass parent, comes up, ah, oh, it's all wrong. It's like this. And what? Are you competing with your child of five, six years old and know, telling them that you know better than them? Or would you like to teach them how to, how to come to a conclusion that works, mm-hmm. right? The approach will be very different. You don't just criticise a child and make them wrong in order to teach them because you make them feel inadequate.
0: Do, do you think then this links back to the discussion about passions and desires with regard to finding or, or feeling like your passions and desires are hidden is that a lot of children are not Learn, not taught, or they don't learn. Sorry, they don't learn for themselves how to trust themselves, to in inquire about the world, how to explore the world, how. Well, it's
1: basically, yeah, you talk about the world. It's actually about themselves. Yeah, passions and desires are within. Well,
0: that's what I'm saying because they haven't been given the opportunity to explore things, to understand things for themselves, they've not done that with themselves either.
1: They they don't get to, like if a girl plays with. Well, it's typically the toys of boys. Then there may be a talent in there or a desire in there. She may well become a fantastic uh, architect or engineer later in life because she has the interest in cars or building blocks or... Legos. Huh? That, that's yeah. just her, her, her natural attraction. She doesn't play with dolls. She plays with, you know. That doesn't mean she's masculine. That doesn't mean she wants to be a boy instead of a girl, right? Not necessarily, I mean, there'd be another podcast about <laughs> that particular issue, about about girls being born and not wanted as girls but as boys mm. and vice versa. But this is more about that a girl has a natural attraction or a boy has a natural attraction for something. You know, he may become a hairdresser or, or, yeah. or something like that, that may be his his fascination and attraction. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to say what it is. The thing is that a parent needs to encourage any kind of interest in it that a child has because one of them may well be the very passion and desires that will make that child amazing. And so you, to, while the child is exploring and playing with all its different possibilities that it, that it feels and needs expression for, the parent only has to be there to encourage it, to support it. And when the child loses an interest, not to force that, like a child has an interest in music, and then two years later loses that interest, then not for the mother to say, yeah, but you're so talented, you're so clever. Can't so you that. have to do your piano lessons, you have to do your violin lessons, you know, you have to learn how to play the guitar, because you're so amazing, and you'll be missing out on a mem- on some amazing career if you don't do this, right? The um, same, so it, 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 it's the same for singing or anything like that, but there are a lot of things that are more subtle that things that a child at an early age cannot do. let a child cannot be an architect at an early age, but it will already display interests and fascinations that potentially could make it into an amazing architect or designer or artist or whatever it may be. the the seeds, if I could call them that, the seeds that, that would allow a child to grow into this right will and maybe not easily recognisable and, and and i can accept that right but by encouraging any possible interest in a child without indulging it right uh, and without overplaying it and without overpraising it and without making it more than what it is to the child but encouraging it by validating it and acknowledging it as something worthwhile, right? Uh, A child will actually um, grow up with feeling it has lots of potentials, lots of abilities.
0: Mm. Um, I can see how a, a child would then think that anything that it tries to explore, it's got a chance to succeed at. Grow up with an opinion that, if it can to,
1: do any number of things. It can do any number
0: of things and, yeah. and be somewhat <clears> successful at them, but also have a choice in the matter. And so the other thing you mentioned there is about expectations and how parents might actually stifle some uh, a child's innate passions and desires. Sometimes with the best, ex-
1: well, often, let's say, often with the best of intent. Of course. Uh, there's a couple of problems with parents, that parents who haven't fulfilled their life and never did their passion and desires, and then think, I would have wanted to do that, and think that that child would want to do the same thing. Parents who have an ego about their profession, and think this is the only thing that anybody should ever do in their life, because I'm doing it, it's really amazing. So, because he puts so much emphasis on his evaluation of his own profession, right? he makes the child feel that it's the only thing he can choose, or she can choose, in order to be a worthwhile and significant individual because the parent puts so much significance onto that Mm. and then has a tendency to dismiss and discard anything that is not of his profession or her profession. And so therefore then invalidates unconsciously or subconsciously any passions or desires the child has because they don't match the parent's aspirations Mm. of which they are current or which they've never been able to fulfill. So, so, so the child is already exposed to a lot of negatives in respect to its spontaneous expression of any potential passion and desire that it has already been herded and coerced into a particular area um, that may be as simple as, well, you have to work, you know, because you're going to make a living, right? It's not about choices. You do what you have to do. Right, that is probably the most restrictive and constrictive choice a child can have because then it has to go to work as soon as it can leave school and then do whatever it can to make a living because the parent sees that as the most valid and important things. And you know, I I know even of a situation where a parent considered um, education a stupid thing because if you were smart, you wouldn't need an education and think that one through <laughs> right mm-hmm. and truly mm. this is what the what the boys in this situation were told that if you need an education you're stupid if you're smart you don't need an education mm. because go, he didn't have an education just go out and work he didn't have an education and so he he had to justify his particular ego perspective because he also was always right, of course, and knew everything, Mm. you could never tell him anything, but he had to justify all of that by invalidating education because he never had any. Mm. And so, you know, parents can, can, how can I say that? Parents can, without realizing, without consciously intending so, actually, through their own needs and expectations and fears and insecurities, invalidate anything the child, their unique and different child brings into the world. Mm. That the fact that a child is a unique individual, a unique consciousness is not recognized. Particularly when people measure the child's beingness by how it looks. You look like your father, you look like your mother, you're just like him. The child starts adopting behaviors of the parent because that's the only behavior that is acceptable. And so, it is not because it's actually like the parent, it tries to be like the parent in its behavior in order to get acceptance and love. So, when we start measuring um, the child child's... Uh, um, the, the, sorry, the nature of the child's consciousness, in other words, who it is, by its behavior, then we're always going to get it wrong. Because its behavior will be a product of how it was raised. And how it was raised is a product of how the parents were. And how these parents were is a product of how their parents were. So we're looking at a continuation generationally of a particular behavior, which has nothing to do with talents and abilities necessarily.
0: Or passions and desires. No. So we, we, obviously that, that ties it back to passions and desires because this you, you're kind of explaining the process by which people get lost and lose an ability to, to understand for themselves when they become adults
1: what, what do, I, actually, I, want to do with what what I want
0: to do with my life? What do I want to do with my life? What are my passions and desires? Yeah. What, do I actually, what do I actually like that's different from what I'm driven to do out of fear? Right.
1: Well, so, so we need to go back again to understand this, why we have so much difficulty picking up on that, right? So our, our passions and desires, talents and abilities do not disappear. I can promise you. <laughs> they do not disappear. They always a part of you. That's very heartening. So yeah. you never lose them. Mm-hmm. So as you're sitting there listening to me, all your talents and abilities are safe. All your passions and desires are safe within you. But, and the civic but, because your parents did not validate or did not give any attention to it or did not praise it or did not encourage. acknowledge, validate it, encourage it, um, and perhaps totally ignored it, dismissed it and discarded it, did the opposite criticised and judged it, right? Uh, Whatever it was you were displaying as a child that was of interest to you, that fascinated you, right? Because that happened early in your life, you do not realise you're actually doing this now to yourself. So part of the problem is that you actually are actively dismissing your own passions and desires.
0: So you take the place of your
1: parents? You do it in everything. So... This is no different, Mm. right? You do it in all your issues, dismissing the positive, uh, in other words, the authentic self, and clinging to the fear-based self, Mm. yeah? You do the same thing with your passions and desires, but you don't realize you're doing it. So while you are thinking on a deeper level as to what will I do in my life, and you try and think of all the options you have, you do not realize that in that process, you're actually passing over your own passions and desires, talents and abilities, and dismissing those because you've learned to do that. So you're actually not accepting of your own passions and desires while at the same time you're looking for them. Because you think it has to be something different to that.
0: Yeah, because what, what that is, is is not acceptable. As you said, that's the, that's the view you have of it. So you're trying to find something else.
1: Something other, which isn't obviously your passion and desire. And so you do one thing after another after another and constantly feel initially that you're attracted to it. it's fascinating and interesting. And then when you're into it for a year, you think this is so bloody boring. (laughs) I'm doing the same thing over and over again and it doesn't even even excite me. You Mm -hmm. know, it's become, I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. And you keep on trying to find it, but you're stepping and almost stumbling over your real passions and desires uh, because to you... Because they were dismissed, giving in to that, what is your true passion and desires, represents a big risk. Because it risks the very things that you were exposed to. It risks you being criticized, you being judged, you being unacceptable. Uh, It's being invalidated, ignored, dismissed, um, uh, ridiculed, shamed, embarrassed even, right? And so you're not gonna do that. And so you, you you subconsciously dismiss your passions and desires because you fear the consequences of actually giving expression to them. And so that needs to be overcome by you, if you are to find your passions and desires. You need to first of all realise how you lost them, if I can call it that, <laughs> in childhood, in order to know how to find them back.
0: Mm. How you lost the awareness of them.
1: How, why, yeah, why did you, why you are now in a place where you don't even know what it is you want out of life, because there had to be something initially in life that you wanted. Mm -hmm. Right, keeping in mind, right, a couple of very simple things, right, that, for instance, what's a passion and desire for you, may not be a passion and desire for somebody else. Somebody who may be doing a job, that to them is is like something they were coerced into and didn't wanna really do, and are really bored with it and do it only because it makes a lot of money or whatever the reason is, um, or for it fills their ego needs. Uh, that you, if you were to do that job, you'd be totally passionate about it, and so you can never go by what other people think or feel about something. I have done personally more jobs. Then I would care to tell you about on a podcast, okay? Um,
0: that'd be a, wide, that'd, that'd uh, be a boring podcast. Oh, an hour of really listing the jobs he's done.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't be interested, but just trust me that it was from the most basic to something like consultancy and and stuff like that. So, I've I've done a wide range of things, um, but none of them represented my passions and desires until. Um, Actually, I finished up going to university for a year. Uh, I had to do my matriculation um, as an adult because I wasn't educated in Australia. So I had to get into university first, got into university, uh, wanted to become a chiropractor, um, did one year of it, and to be honest with you, I wasn't good at it. Not from the kind of... I would have been good as a chiropractor, but I was not good at the kind of study... That university required. They wanted to do mathematics, um, um, biochemistry. It was not the kind of thing that I like. I was I was entering an education system at university level that I wasn't. What do you call it? That I wasn't used to.
0: You weren't adapted for it. I wasn't yet, adapted yet, for yet it. I never. School.
1: I was never educated in Australia, so I didn't understand many of the processes here, <clears throat> and so this didn't work for me. And so I bowed out of that and I did kinesiology which then uh, I abandoned and I created this um, therapy I do now which is core belief therapy um, that um, that when I started to do it I, I never actually planned to do this. I never had it in my head that I wanted to help people or heal people or solve people's problems. It was never a motivation of that kind in my head. I was just extremely fascinated by it. Totally interested in human consciousness and how it functioned. And totally obsessed by, it's now the way to describe by getting results that were permanent and um, tangible. And so when I did kinesiology, I thought I'd found the very thing that would do that until I, in my mind and it's my experience so it's no no criticism of any kinesiologists out there um, but I found it really laborious the work and tedious in, in its technique and its application and so I started to feel that there was more going on and so um, based on uh, knowledge that I acquired through previous reading uh, I started to think about why human beings act and behave they do and it came down to belief systems for me, who whatever you believe to be true is how you would act it out in your life. And so I started exploring that and it took me from 1991 to 94, the beginning of 1994, to understand actually what I was doing because I found, um, I discovered if you like, a way to shift belief systems in people and then uh, I couldn't quite believe that it would work that way so I needed time and um, uh, exploration and uh, probably in some ways um, doing research into what I was doing myself and experimenting with different uh, psychological tools and methodologies in order to come up with a system that would actually give me the results that I wanted. And it took me that long. It took me close to four years to actually develop that. Mm. But once I did, it became, it then evolved and became more and more effective, right? The thing is that, so that's what I did. The thing is, in all the years that I've been working, and it's now a good 26 years, I've always been completely committed to the work and, I've never woke up in the morning hating what I was doing. I've been totally passionate about it. I started writing in 98, and I'm just as passionate about writing. And I'm doing these podcasts, and I'm actually passionate about doing the podcast. So it seems that anything I do associated with this work, anything to do with human consciousness, I'm passionate about. The question is, you should ask, from, from what I'm telling you, is that what do you think that would have looked like when I was a child? How would that passion have manifested early in my life and how could my parents have um, validated that so that I could have done this at 25 instead of 44?
0: Mm. Yeah? As as I said before, it's very hard to be specific about what specific things you would have been interested in as a child that would have led you to this type of work, but if you're encouraged in all aspects of your life, then it sort of covers everything that you're passionate mm. about. The, the one thing that you picked up on there is quite important. I think some people probably think that they just got one passion or one desire that, they, that they're trying to discover. And the reality is that you could have you, 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 dozens of things that you're passionate about,
1: if not more. And what may be a passion for you for two, three years, you may abandon that passion for another one. Mm. There doesn't need to to be a consistency about your passions and desires. Mm. I can promise you one thing, that in most circumstances, when ego is not involved, when fear is not involved, and you have a true passion, you are likely to be doing that particular passion extremely well because it is a passion, Mm. because you have a desire to fulfill that passion to its ultimate potential.
0: You essentially love what you're doing.
1: Because you love what you're doing, you will do it well. Mm. You will do it in a way that will attract the attention from others. And then they will want to make use of your passion or buy your passion or take service of your passion. If you're an artist and you're a passionate painter, likely you'll paint really well. If you're you're a woodcarver... The same. If you're an architect, the same. Mm -hmm. If you're an accountant, it will be the same. If you're an engineer, it will be the same. Mm -hmm. You will stand out. Your passion for your work will make you outstanding, Mm -hmm. unique, and it will be noticed. And you will be rewarded either through salary or through people paying you or... Um, and buying that's, that's from you, that's
0: on top of the personal rewards you get from doing something. You as might. well
1: as that, you, yeah. Mm. I, uh, to be totally honest, I've actually only ever tried to promote myself once in my whole career in the 26 years, which is in this society is probably truly unusual, with all the promotional tools that everybody has available to them, and which I'm honestly have to say I'm not very well versed in. Um, but I've always relied on word of mouth on people telling other people about the results they got with my work because I allow the work to speak for itself. It doesn't need advertising because when people change, it's obvious to everybody in their circle of friends. And when they feel changed, they often feel the desire to recommend it to people who need this, who need to be changed. And so that's how my clients come to me. Mm. I've never had to promote myself for... Go through all that particular thing, although I would like uh, everybody to buy my book. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that, um, because this now, this podcast is also a means for me to promote not so much me as the concepts that i that I believe in so strongly. and the and
0: philosophy behind your work
1: is so amazingly fantastic that you could live your life by it, and if you did, you'd have an amazing life. I can guarantee mm. you that. It's oh. a philosophy that will work for everybody without exception. Mm. It will not, it's not just for some, it's for everyone.
0: And knowing you as, as well as I do, I, I think that your, your desire to have your, your book and the podcast and, the, and your philosophy out in the public is a, is a deep-seated desire to see the world change for the better because you've seen the ability to be able to change clients one-on-one… And you want to scale it up to actually... Yeah, I would
1: like to. I would like to speak publicly and stuff. although I haven't done a lot of that. I, but I, I, did. I
0: mean, you, you, the reason that you're passionate about this is because you actually have a passionate desire to have the work change the world or to improve
1: consciousness. Because it has the potential to it has do the that. potential to do that, yeah. Do do, I said in one podcast before, I said, imagine a world without fear. Hmm. And fear is not something that can be taken away without you as an individual releasing it. Hmm. It all depends on you as a person.
0: So so without those fears, we would all be aware of our passions and desires and we'd be living along those lines. We're lives.
1: living fulfilled lives. We wouldn't need to capitalize on the weaknesses of others. We wouldn't need to make others powerless and helpless to show ourselves to be the winners. We need to don't need to make others weak in order for us to be strong. We don't, we don't need to take control away from others to feel in control. We don't need to dominate and make others into powerless people in order to feel that we we can exist in the world without our own fears, right? All that would be unnecessary. It would be unnecessary because it just wouldn't have any, wouldn't make any sense in the world without fear. Mm. It just wouldn't make any sense. Living your passions and desires is just you overcoming fears about yourself as well. Because, you know, your passions and desires are just one facet of the, of the whole process of fulfilling your potential. Understand that. Because besides your passions and desires, you need to also believe in yourself, trust in yourself, in your emotional, mental capacities and resources. You need to believe that you can cope and overcome what we now popularly call failure, but it's actually just that you have that you projected something into the future that you thought was going to be a certain way and didn't come out the way you expected it to. You will label that as a failure. Perhaps I would say it's a learning experience for you to to hone yourself and to, to look at what you bring into this process that caused this outcome. If you can understand how you create these outcomes, then you can do something about it
0: it's if ironic you d- that you said the word expect because you consciously might be expect anticipating and expecting an outcome but on a on a fear-based level you're actually probably expecting the reaction of other people to be a neg- be negative
1: well even if you didn't let, let, <laughs> let, let let's say you didn't but and, and and let's say it doesn't even it doesn't even amount to what other people expect more let's say let's keep it totally in the in the in the framework of your own expectations is that If you label something a failure and then take that label and and plaster it on yourself and say, I am the failure, what have you learned exactly? What is progress for you? You know, I won't do it again next time, or I'm going to hope next time I do it, it's going to be different. And you're just like the donkey. You keep on doing or doing you, the same thing and expecting a different result. Or
0: you validated your negative belief and, and said, I'm giving up. There's more, there's more evidence that I'm a failure. See, yeah, yeah. I, I knew I was and my yeah. father always said I was. And yeah. he's right because so, that's more so, evidence.
1: So just knowing what your passion and desire is, if you were to know it and you were to get it and to feel it, is not enough. Understand that you need to work on your perhaps fear of failure, fear of criticism, fear of judgment, that you need to start believing in your own capacities and powers and capabilities, that you need to start trusting in your decision-making, in your judgment, in your capacity to see and perceive things right and correctly, that you need to be able to take risk and with the understanding that if it goes not the way you want it to, that you will just make new decisions to get to a new result. And you're learning. And applying, them. yeah, and applying and, and looking at yourself and saying, How did I do this? How did I create this? What is it that 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 I didn't do or that I didn't think of or that I believe about myself that stops me from achieving the result that I want? Mm. More of success and more of um, of of living life um, to your fullest potential and without stress has to do with beingness and anything else. Doingness, relying on doingness, is the domain of the ego. The ego relies on doing. The spirit relies on being. Mm. Understand that. It it, it is not like like doingness is a solution to all the problems in the world, but beingness is.
0: Yeah, because I can hear the listeners potentially saying, so Rudy, really, what, what do I do to go and find my passions and desires? What what what's what's the method? Is there a method? Do I have to consider what I liked as a child and start doing those things? And it's not really like that.
1: Well well to to, to, to some extent. I mean you need to look at how you lost it and need to, to understand within yourself what that what the effect of that was on you. Like, are you now self-critical? Are you self-judgmental? Are you always looking for perfection and want to do everything perfectly? Is there for you only one way to do things? Do you always have to be right? Yeah. Does it does it matter to you a lot if you're being criticised and judged? Do you take it to heart? Do you then become the disappointment and the failure or the embarrassment? You know, ask yourself all these questions because if any of those questions are true. Then you need to take a good look at yourself and your issues before you even start worrying about your passions and desires. Because even if you had them, you wouldn't be able to fulfill them Mm -hmm. because you don't have the mental tools to do it. Your fear will dominate. It will never allow you to fulfill it.
0: Is it fair to say, though, if you went the other way around and just started working on identifying and removing and working through and changing, removing your fear-based beliefs, you would eventually you would eventually get to what your passions and desires are. And you would. Right, yeah. You would. It works that in, way around. <laughs> in,
1: in the meantime, you know, uh, and it's not to say that you, you can't do anything in the doing sphere. What you can do is go back to playing. And that might sound a bit odd, but play. Pick up a camera, do some photography, pick up a pen, do some drawing, do some creative stuff. You know, read some books you've never read before. Explore areas of interest that you never went deeply into. Mm-hmm. Uh, start thinking, when you pick up a magazine, what are you really interested in and why? When you when you go to a bookshop, what books attract you and why? Are they escapism? Are they truly um, an in interest? Is it you want to know more or you want to be isolated by what you read? Because people can, like fiction, Uh, I I used to be a huge reader as a child. And then at the age of about 12, 13, I felt all of a sudden that I'd been cheated on. Somehow I would spent so much time in fantasy and reality because it was my escape from the reality of my child life, if you like, my life as a child that um, I didn't realize that I actually disconnected myself, that I was pretty much a loner. And I was angry that this has happened to me. So I stopped reading for a long time. Um, I was reading for all the wrong reasons. So it's not just what you read, but why you read it. It's not what you do, but why you do it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say before, um, I think that's, that's probably something to bring up now, that um People could say, oh, my, my passions and desires are my hobbies, right? But if your hobby is just an escape from dealing with the world, then it's not probably your passion and desire. If you,
1: but it could be. It could be. Your hobby could be your passion but and it, desire. But it's not
0: necessarily. If you, if you do it just as a means of escape, go in your man cave and have a few beers and throw darts at the wall or something, it, that, that's not really your passion and desire. That's that probably your, your does, escape. I wouldn't from,
1: quite, yeah, that's more likely to be like an escape. mechanism
0: and neither is like if we were talking about success last week on, on the podcast and i think um if you think that someone's passion and desire means you're laying on a yacht in the sun in some caribbean island and and got plenty of money and you don't have to do anything uh that's that's really no that's not really a passion and desire either i mean life would be pretty Pretty boring. I'm sure a lot would think say, so. Yeah, would probably say, "Oh, yeah, I'd be cope with that." Boring. But see,
1: but his passion and desire, he may interpret for as his need to be financially wealthy and materially wealthy, and not having to do anything, which actually has to do something with his ego, with his avoidance of life, not with not being able to deal with things emotionally, because it sounds like a very mechanical world to live in. Mm. I mean. I find it hard to believe and, you know, I can sort of, I can sort of play at, if you like, at saying I withhold judgment, but I find it hard to believe that somebody could be life satisfied by spending most of their life doing nothing.
0: That's not really what you want to do as a child, usually. Like, with your, no, you know, to, the child doesn't come no. in the world and go, I just want to lay down and do nothing all day. You know, yeah. I've never, there's never been a child in the world, I think, that's, that's wanted no. to do that.
1: But it can come to that, depending on how they're being treated mm. as children. Look, playing with life is playing with different possibilities. Maybe learning a language, maybe, maybe <coughs> attending meetings or a particular interest. Um, anything, play at everything.
0: You know, I've got, I've, got, I've got a suggestion. I'll see what you think of this. If you, if you have children of your own, obviously you can you can start observing their behaviour and dealing with them as a parent, and understanding mm. that they need to. Um, to explore the world in their own way and, and follow mm. their own passions and desires. But you can also take some cues from what, what your children are doing and, and actually do some of the same types of things. If your children want to sit down and do some colouring in, you sit down and do some colouring in and do something with them and, and then you might find oh, no, some so play it might just, in your own Yeah, life, yeah. yeah.
1: anything at all. Mm. Anything at all. Children can be your teacher That's if you only suggesting. really look. yeah Yeah. 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 So... Yeah.
0: Well, we we might we might leave it there for passions and desires. I think that's really well covered that topic, um, Rudy. So thank you very much again for your yeah,
1: time. You're very welcome, Mark, and goodbye everybody. Till next time.
0: All right. See you next time.